It's 12.09. This is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. I swear it is a story that has my head wanting to explode. My producer, Gru, is lucky that he's behind a glass window. If you want to, well, see the ad that is creating the controversy in the minds of some, if you text me the word beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y, to 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you text me the word beauty, I'll send you the link to the story, and you can see the ad. We're going to talk about it in about 15 minutes or so. But like I say, it's I read heard about the story this morning, and as the morning has been going on, it has been just progressively just been more and more aggravating as we sink deeper and deeper into the world of political correctness, people being offended, fake claims of racism, and the like. But if you text me the word beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y, to 414-799-1620, I will send you a link to the story. We'll talk about it in a couple minutes. All right, let's start off, as we always do, three big things. Story number one, revisiting something that we discussed last week, Barbara Bush. A, by all standards, a very classy, a great lady passed away at the age of 92. Even if you didn't like Barbara Bush, and there's not too many people that, that didn't like Barbara Bush, that didn't recognize her as a classy woman, um, you know, she, she's dead. All right, she, she's dead. So, you know, most people have the decency to keep their mouths shut about things like that at times of grieving. Well, all right, there is a woman, 39-year-old professor at Cal State University, Fresno. Um, her name is Rhonda Gerard, and she's a, an English teacher. She teaches creative writing. She is part of the lunatic left. After Barbara Bush passes away, and maybe you heard about this, she takes to Twitter and says, quote, Barbara Bush was a generous and smart and amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. Then she uses a four-letter word that I cannot use on the radio, out of here with your nice words. And then um, she goes on to respond. She gets something that people start criticizing her for that. She says, sweetie, I work as a tenured professor. I make $100,000 a year doing that. I will never be fired. I will always have people wanting to hear what I have to say. Even you are one of them. That's how she responds. I am a tenured professor. I make hundred grand. They can't do anything to me. And then she goes on to send another tweet. All the hate I'm getting almost made me forget how happy I am that George W. Bush is really sad right now because his mother died. All right, this piece of human garbage who is making $100,000 a year reveling in the death of Barbara Bush, um, saying, hey, Fresno State can't do anything to me. I hope her child children are really unhappy that she's dead. Makes me feel really good. Well, all right, this has created, as you might expect, a huge controversy at Fresno State. As of this morning, there is a petition um over 10,000 signatures calling on Fresno State to fire her for her remarks. A number of large contributors to Fresno State are coming out publicly and saying, well, you know, we're, we're waiting to see what the university does. We expect that she should be fired, and we're kind of waiting. If she's not fired, well, that is going to influence our decision as to whether we make donations moving forward. Other people are saying, well, I'm going to a quotation here. One guy's saying a lot of friends that we've been talking to, people who donate, 
are now talking about holding back. Some are even questioning whether to send their kids to Fresno State. So there's this huge controversy, of course, that is going on. You've got the donors who are saying, hey, unless Fresno State steps up and does something to this lunatic, we're we're going to stop contra- making contributions. Other people are saying, you know, we're afraid that their people are going to respond by not sending their kids to school. Meanwhile, the lady says, hey, I, there's nothing they can do to me. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my question for you. Should should she be fired for saying these horrendous things? Now, whether they actually have the legal authority to do it is going to, I guess, turn on what the nature of her employment contract is and what her tenure agreement says. But, you know, in a perfect world, should Fresno State be able to fire a teacher for expressing this type of opinion. Now, she did it on her own time, but she clearly identifies herself as an employee at Fresno State to the point that she brags about, "Hey, I got 100 grand. I make 100 grand a year. They can't do anything to me." All right. Should people like this lady be off limits for making vile comments? Is the fact that you're a tenured professor should that be Should that mean that you can say and do anything you want without consequences? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I'll leave it to the specific terms of her employment agreement to decide what Fresno State is able to do. But I will tell you, if their employment agreement is broad enough that it allows her to say things like this, they need to change that employment agreement. She should be gone tomorrow. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1215. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. As Eric said, 1218. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Rose in Milwaukee. Hi, Rose. Good morning. Good, oh, morning. good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, we have what they call freedom of speech. We don't have to like the speech that comes out of us. Our society is full of insensitive persons. But that doesn't stop them from having the right to be to show, say what they believe in or what they feel. I've heard people say negative about Val Phillips, who just passed, who's a mm-hmm. icon in the mm-hmm. city of Milwaukee, and they were like joking around. But as much as I didn't like it, that to me they were just insensitive. And well, let me ask you this it. though: you you have a right to say something. That, that's the First Amendment says government can't restrict the right of speech, but it. But we're not talking about government. We're talking about an employer. If she says this stuff and a bunch of donors, for example, say, all right, we're we're going to respond to her free speech with our checkbooks. We're not going to give money, for example, and that's going to hurt the university. Can't the university say, all right, look, we're going to get rid of the lady. She's had a right to say it, but there's consequences for her speech. So what they should do is pull her aside and have a discussion with her and just, and just and tell them that it's a bad, bad business for the university. And then she because, says, so what? I don't care. Yeah, i got that, tenure. That, that decision, whatever they discuss and what she feels and everything, and whatever the contract is, you're right, there's legal ramifications. Now the thing is, they might say, get rid of her, sue, and she sues, and she might make more money than she, they could collect on the money that they get, donations. So you see, it's a no-win situation. The best thing is to, to, as a university, you're supposed to be teaching the facts and the truth. And if you're teaching the facts and the truth, that regardless of how insensitive it might be, and you tell the donors, 
The thing is, you can't stop people from being whom they are. Just like they can't stop the donors. If they don't want to give, that's up to the donors. It's not. The, it's going to be the university and the students' laws. Okay, well, well Rose, let, let, let me give you another example. Let us say... Um Tonight, I, I lose my mind, I go home, I go on my Twitter account, and I start posting a number of overtly racist comments on my, my Twitter account. Do you think WTMJ would be legitimate in firing me for doing that? Okay, it depends upon two different factors. Is your Twitter account a part of the corporation? Let's is say it's account- not. Let's say it's a personal one. Let's say it's okay. personal. Is uh, uh, is there a contract stipulating that you must not do anything that could cause a, a relationship of negativity toward your station? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And again, I, I think this would be a violation in all likelihood of my employment contract. I, I think that's right. But I guess the, the question would be, case? let's say there's not an employment contract. Okay. Does an employer have a right to fire employees for things that they say that cause embarrassment to the employer? It's up to, well, is it an embarrassment to the employer or embarrassment to individuals who work for the, who are the heads of the, see, we, uh, we got to uh, separate a person who works for a corporation that might own it from a person, uh, the employee, the, 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 the uh, entity itself. If that person, everybody has a different way of looking at things. They might look at one thing positive over here, that, that employer. It's the individual would might be the manager or the mm-hmm. president. That's an individual. That's not the corporation making a statement. It's the individual. Well, no, I mean, Rose, thanks for, I mean, look, I understand. It's, I guess here, here, here's my point. Now, sh- I, I, again, I don't know what her tenure agreement says, but if her tenure agreement allows her to say stuff, then they should be changing the tenure agreement. Because I don't think, I mean, does she have a right to say whatever she wants? Absolutely. She does. But to me, that doesn't mean that you can't have consequences. And if she comes out and she says stuff, and the result of what she says is that, oh, my gosh, you know, now you, you've really brought disrepute to the university, yeah, I think they should have the right to fire her. And the fact that she did it on her own time, to me, doesn't make any difference because she is identified with the university. Heck, she's flouting the fact that she is, you know, I, I'm – I'm a tenured professor. I can say what they want, and they can't discipline me. And I guess my advice to a lot of employees are, I'll give you a different example. Let's say you decide to go home tonight, and you decide to launch, you know, film yourself, put your uh, up on you, and do something, post something on YouTube, for example, ripping on your boss, the company you work for. I work for Pepsi, but I think Coke is a lot better. And by the way, I hate my boss, and this is this, and this is that, and whatever. My guess is you're you're not it's you're too right to say that, but my guess is you're probably not going to have a job the next day. Let's talk to Chris in West Bend. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey Jeff, how are you? Very well, thank you, sir. Should they fire her? Absolutely. Um, she's a representative of the university, just like she would be of any company. Um, I'm a manager for a local company, and I know if I went on Twitter or Facebook and started. Uh, posting negative things about the company or even yeah. a boss, I know there would be repercussions, whether it's written into my employment contract or not. And I can tell you, I probably would be fired. Yeah, and I think most people would be in that situation. I mean, and again, it's not that you don't have a right to say it. You have a right to say it, but by saying those things, there there are consequences. And one of the consequences means you lose your job. 
and that's the big word that you're the consequences part is the big word that you're throwing out there. You, you do have the right to say what you want to say, but you have to logically think through what you're saying to understand what the consequences will be. Right, exactly. Thanks for calling, especially when you are a semi-public official. Now, the other part of, of this that I think candidly goes perhaps beyond the First Amendment and and really might be actionable. And I, I think the university again. I haven't looked at this woman's you know tenure and her employment contract. But the other aspect of this is she also put out another post that says if you something the line of if if you want to contact me, call this phone number. And the phone number that she listed was the Arizona State University um, student like suicide hotline number. Um, so she put out a, a fake phone number directing people to call like mental health services at Arizona State University, um, which did, in fact, you know, people did do that, making those hostile phone calls. That, to me, I don't see any way that something like that is protected. That's like inviting crank callers or whatever. I, I think, you know, Fresno State has a problem. There's no question. It's more than just a public relations problem. It's a problem that overlaps with donors. And I'm all I appreciate the importance of, of academic freedom. But you know what? I think there are lines that you cross, and I will be—I will be shocked if they do not get rid of her. You know what? She deserves it. Okay. When we come back, if you want to see the ad that is generating all the controversy, including allegations of racism, text me the word "beauty" b e a u t y to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We will discuss in just a moment. It's twelve twenty six. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, let me set the stage for the story. As far as I can tell, this is a, a story um, coming out of, of Wisconsin. Today's TMJ4 had it. So far, so far, nobody else nationally or internationally has been offended by this. But some people in Wisconsin are. L'Oreal makes beauty products, right? Big international manufacturer of beauty products. L'Oreal hires famous they, they they will hire famous models they will hire movie stars to be in their ads for beauty products three of the people that work for l'oreal in that capacity are helen mirren um you know the the actress helen mirren eva longoria remember from you know the the housewives show and maria borges Maria Borges is, I don't believe she's a, a television or movie star. She's, she's a model, one of the supermodels. Um, she is black. Helen Mirren and Eva Longoria, well, uh, Helen Mirren's white. Eva Longoria is, is white as well. So you've got, matter of fact, when L'Oreal hired Maria Borges about a year ago, they got all sorts of accolades for this. This was the first black supermodel that they've hired to do their, their ads and stuff. So it was highly, highly praised. All right, so where where is the controversy? They have featured the three of these women in an ad, which is posted in various drugstores throughout the area. A Wisconsin woman sees this ad, becomes offended, and then goes on social media complaining about the ad. In just a moment, I will tell you what has her so upset, and we will discuss whether she's got a legitimate point 
where once again political correctness run amok. It's 1235, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, so L'Oreal, which makes these beauty products, um, they have under contract um, three very, very prominent women. They have uh, Eva Longoria, who you might remember from TV. She She's in her, by the way, this is also kind of interesting, she's in her mid-40s. Helen Mirren, who is the, she's been nominated for four Oscars. She won one. She's in her 70s. And Maria Borges, who is in her 20s, she's a supermodel. She's from Angola. She is black. All right. So they, they all do all sorts of modeling. Um, there is an ad that they've put out and this, it's a display in drugstores. So it's not a TV ad. It's a display in a drugstore featuring all three of these women. All right. And the ad, now keep in mind, Interestingly enough, they're also all different ages. You know, you have the one that's in the 20s, one that's in her 40s, one that's in her 70s, all beautiful women. And they are featuring these three women in an effort to promote three different beauty products. All right, the display that has these photos, and again, you can see the the ad, if you text me the word beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y, it's got Helen Mirren, um, and she's, she's there promoting the Age Perfect Moisturizer. Now, interestingly enough, she's the oldest of the three, but she's Age Perfect Moisturizer. Eva Longoria is promoting Revitalift Cream, whatever that might be. And Maria Borges is promoting their product Pure Clay Masks, which I, I guess is a is a beauty mask. It's something that you, you, you put on your, your face to, to do whatever. So you've got the three of them. And it's Eva Longoria, and then it's this Maria Borges, who is is black, and she's got a she's got the beauty mask on, and then it's it's Helen Mirren. Okay, so you got it. You got the three models that are there, but the one, the one in the middle, the one who's black, she has the the clay beauty mask on. But they're promoting these three different things. All right, now here's the way today TMJ Four reports the story. The ad was spotted in at least one area drugstore. A local woman took a photo and began sharing it on social media. That's where such and such saw it. This other woman says, right away, I was like, whoa, that's really inappropriate. Now, the ad shows three women side by side, all of them famous spokeswomen for the cosmetics company. This woman who's whining about it says, it didn't make much sense at all why the person of color was represented in the ad, and that was the only person wearing the lighter color mask. Several people took to Twitter to share their concerns with the company. L'Oreal responded to the tweets about the ad saying, to ensure transparency in campaigns for masks, we always photograph spokespeople with the product applied. Our displays are updated routinely, so you can expect to see a new one soon. When frustrated customers asked why the only black woman has her face covered in the ad, L'Oreal responded, the display combines images from three different products. Helen Mirren promoting Age Perfect Moisturizer. By the way, where are where are the age folks out there? Why is the oldest woman promoting the Age Perfect Moisturizer? Eva Longoria for Revitalist Cream and Maria Borges for Pure Clay Masks. Okay, this lady who's whining says, it just came across as really insensitive. None of that read immediately. I think the representation of per- people of color in every industry is hugely important in our world and has been something that's been neglected for a very long time. So these people are whining that these various highly paid models, actresses, whatever, 
it is the 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 black woman who is shown I don't know wearing the the clay mask. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me say this at the start. I think there is real racism in this world, and I think when you see real racism, it needs to be identified. It needs to be called out. I also think that there is subtle racism in the world, and it's fair to call that out as well. But I also think there are people out there, and I call them the politically correct and the perpetually offended, who wake up every morning with a chip on their shoulder looking to knock it off. All right, here you have a highly paid supermodel who is appearing in a photo spread with a number of other highly paid models promoting various beauty products. And yes, this time around, she's promoting the clay face mask, whatever that may be. Is this racist or are people seeing things where nothing exists? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this something that L'Oreal should be apologizing for? Is this a huge controversy? Or is this people just looking to, I don't know, create problems where there are no problems? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Like I say, this type of stuff just makes my head explode where you have, again, highly paid models, and it just so happens in this ad, okay, it is the black woman from Angola who is wearing, all right, this one particular type of beauty product that she's promoting. Why aren't we upset that Helen Mirren is promoting the age relift thing or whatever? 414-799-1620. Did L'Oreal do anything wrong, or is this just people looking to be upset we discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1241, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, coming up in about 20 minutes, we're going to be joined by Steve Scafidi to talk about something special he's got going on. And then after that, is it enough enough with regard to the way the Trump administration is being covered? Stick around. Right now, we're talking about this story. And so far, um, so far, the only place I can find it is on today's TMJ4. Some woman complains about these ads, and L'Oreal is saying, well, there's nothing to see here. I'm with L'Oreal. Let's start with Rick in Pewaukee. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Uh, hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? Well, I think that if anybody should have a problem with it, I think it would be the, the actress or the model that is doing the ad. I mean, she is the African-American woman, and I think if she's would have a problem with it, she probably wouldn't have done the ad. No, I, I, and I don't think she did. And she's she's Angolan, so she's not African American, but she's black. Well, but yeah, no, right. But no, but I don't. Right, she 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 is there shilling for a bunch of beauty products, one of which happens to be this this clay mask. So when they shoot the ads, they put her in the clay mask so people can see what it looks like. Big deal. Right, you can't do it any other way. I, I just don't, especially since she they're doing it all this. The youngest, the oldest. Yeah, she just happened to get the part that just happened to be the youngest. Um, she's a beautiful woman. Oh. I mean, oh yeah. And, and like I said, if, if anybody should have a problem, it should be her. And she wouldn't have done the ad. I think if she thought there was a problem, I don't think she would have done the ad. Well, right. Uh, I mean, no, you're right, Rick. And, and, and let's switch it around. Okay, so what what is the lesson here? Okay, now now, like I say, L'Oreal got a lot of, of kudos. Last year, when they hired her, and they're paying, she's a supermodel, and you're right, she's beautiful. They're, they're they're paying her a ton of money. All right, well, what does this now mean? Does it mean that she can't 
Um, she can't advertise for these products. Is the idea that, gee, we, we can't have her go on uh, in the magazines or we, we can't have her be photographed wearing this particular type of product because some people will perceive that this is a racist element? I mean, is, is that it? And so how is that fair to her? No, I mean, this is one of the mainstream beauty products that they show. Now, I don't, again, know why it was that she got selected to do this one, um, but, I mean, if anything, maybe people should be offended that Helen Mirren, who's in the 70s, that she's the one that's doing the ad for the, you know, the wrinkle reducer or something like that. It's just an ad for a bunch of beauty products, for goodness sakes. Bob on in West Dallas. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yes. I don't believe that these people who complain really have an issue. I believe that they just want 10 or 15 minutes thing. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Right Wing Radio loves it. So what they do is they come on air, they talk about this particular issue, and then you get to say there's real racism in the country, but yeah. things politically incorrect. And then you never talk about the real racism, like the two guys who in Philadelphia were denied coffee at Starbucks. Well, Bob, so let me just say bit. this. We did, it's Bob, I, you got to listen right. more, pal. You know, we, we discussed we discussed that issue from a number of various perspectives here. And the reason I found this story to be interesting is the fact that, once again, you have people being offended, screaming racism where none exists. And what you need to recognize is this every time every time there's stuff like this that's out there, I think it sets the cause of people who want to identify real racism, I think it sets it back. And, and that's why we live in the society that is so obsessed with political correctness, so obsessed with people who are being perpetually offended that it, it just kind of all goes into this blur. There's nothing you can do anytime, anywhere, which will, 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 will not offend somebody. And Wagner's rule of life, number one, is, is life is tough, get a helmet. And I guess this is one of those kind of classic stories. If somebody looks at this very, very well-paid um, supermodel who is promoting this clay face mask and looks at this and finds that they are offended, they, they really need to toughen up. Now, I want to give L'Oreal a little bit of credit because L'Oreal didn't back down. L'Oreal didn't apologize. They said, hey, this is what this ad is. This is what we were promoting. We rotate these things in and out. And, you know, I, who knows who's going to be wearing the clay face mask next? have a text here. Jeff, after texting the word beauty, I saw the ad and I didn't know what I was looking for at first. Everything looked to be normal to me. I had to wait until uh, I was told by you what was wrong. Long story short, there's nothing wrong with this ad. People need to get hobbies, perhaps. Perhaps check out Bingo. Yeah, something like that. Look, this isn't the problem with, as what was Bob saying, right-wing radio. This isn't the problem with that. This is the problem with the perpetually offended and the politically correct who look to find something that's going to upset them on a regular basis. And if they can't find something that legitimately upsets them, then they've got to manufacture stuff. Just saying. 1250, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back, I want to talk about uh, big story number three, what happened in Toronto yesterday. Stick around. 1250, Jeff Wagner. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We're going to be joined by Steve Scafidi. He's going to talk about this project he's got underway in about 20 minutes. And after that, is it time to say enough is enough when it comes to the way the mainstream media is covering 
Donald Trump. But I, I did want to, this big story number three, I wanted to offer a comment on what happened yesterday in Toronto. Um, if you have been following the news, you had a 25-year-old guy driving a rider rental truck who, and Toronto is a beautiful city and, and one of the safest cities in the world. I, I've been there twice. Um, and, and what he did was he, the, the guy drives the truck up onto the sidewalk in downtown, in one of the downtown areas, and you've got, it's a nice day, there's all sorts of people out on the street, and then at a high rate of speed, drives down one sidewalk after another, going um, and and mowing people down. Ten people dead, 15 people injured. Ultimately, the police are able to stop the car and force him out at gunpoint, He's now been charged with a variety of offenses, and people are trying to figure out what happened. Admittedly, when when this first occurred, you were you were thinking, at least I was thinking, terrorism because it is similar to some of the other sort of terrorist attacks that you've seen in in France and certainly in Great Britain, where people would have trucks and they would use you know the everyday conveyances, the the trucks, the cars, whatever, as implements of mass destruction. It, it doesn't appear to be that it, it it seems like this kid and i say kid this young man is just is just nuts uh, and and i know that's not a good explanation but apparently there was a youtube um video well the the guy his name is Alec Minasian i think is how you pronounce it and um he apparently had had posted something on facebook that's now been taken down where he um uh he, he referenced an, another mass murderer a guy named Elliot Roger who killed six people in 2014 near the University of Southern California Santa Barbara by stabbing and shooting his um victims so i i mean it just, it appears the guy was was crazy was a nut um and in this case turns out to be a homicidal maniac um you know they they're trying to figure out what, if any, the motive was, but I'm not sure that there was a motive. I just think the guy, again, was a nut. Now, the frustrating thing, and this is the conversation that we have after the mass shootings as well, and I understand people are saying, well, we need to do things, you know, we need to control this type of gun or we need to have that type of gun control. Well, this underscores that when you have crazy people, that if they are intent on carrying out some sort of act of mass destruction, there are all sorts of ways that they have to do it. And I think it's what some people need to consider when you start talking about gun banning. Now, I believe that there are, I believe that when it comes to gun control, for example, we should be able to reason together. I I think there are things like universal background checks and so-called red flag laws, which are laws that um, would allow people who are, mentally ill or act out in a bad fashion to to have their guns temporarily taken away from them. I, I'm, I'm in favor of stuff like that. But the truth of the matter is, when you whether it is a terrorist um, who is able to use an automobile or a truck as an implement of mass destruction or somebody who is able to go to a hardware store and after, unfortunately, spending 15 minutes on the Internet, figure out how you make a pipe bomb or something like this out of items that you can buy at that hardware store. It, it just demonstrates how difficult it is for us us to be safe. And I know that that's not a satisfactory answer. It, it's not. 
But you look at what happened in Toronto, and you say this is terrible. Ten people are dead. You know, fifteen people are are injured, all because this lunatic gets into a a rental a rider rental truck and drives down the sidewalk with apparently for whatever motive it operated him the intent to try to kill as many people as possible. And you say, well, what can you do? Well, the answer is I don't know that there's anything that you you can do. Are are we going to not allow people to drive cars in urban areas? Are we going to allow people not to drive trucks in urban areas? Well, the reality is that's not a very realistic type of thing. Um, I, I think people have to be vigilant. People have to be um, aware. I think my guess is it's going to turn out that there is perhaps a history of this guy you know, acting out in peculiar fashions. I could be wrong, but I don't believe that you just wake up one day and say, hey, today's the day I'm going to get in my truck and drive down the sidewalk and try to see how many people I can kill. My guess is that there's all sorts of indicators, and those indicators will, in fact, come out, and we need to be aware of those. So whether the instrumentality is a pipe bomb or a truck or a car or a gun, maybe we can intervene earlier to save people's lives. But again... I mean, is this a call for gun control? Is it a call for truck control? Or is it a reality that we've got dangerously mentally ill in the mentally, mentally ill people in the world today and we need to figure out a way to rein them in? 1259, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 109, this is Jeff Wagner. So, Eric, Rich, Richard Schmidt, acting sheriff, announcing right now that he's running for sheriff. The odd thing, at least to me, is... In, in all the the run up to this and mm-hmm. the announcement stuff, he, he's not saying whether he's running for as a Republican or a Democrat. Well, we should learn today. <laughs> you, you, you would think, but it's you. you I right, but but, not it, said, but no. in, in every everything like the literature that's put out, we're we're keeping we're keeping his political affiliation a secret, or he's keeping it a secret at the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. All right. Good. I, I mean, I assume he's running as a Democrat. I mean, David Clark ran as a Democrat because he made the calculation. And keep in mind, the sheriff is a, you can argue whether it should be or not, but county sheriffs run in the partisan November election. So they run as Republicans, they run as Democrats. Uh, David Clark always made the political calculation that he was going to run as a Democrat because if he ran as a Republican, he couldn't win in Milwaukee County, um, which, again, just drove Democrats absolutely nuts. But he kept winning the Democratic primary, a lot of times with the help of Republican crossover votes. I would guess that Richard Schmidt is going to run as a Democrat, regardless of what his true political affiliation is. But we don't know that as of yet. Perhaps we'll know it in a little bit. All right. Over the last couple of years here at WTMJ, we've had an initiative called WTMJ Cares. And uh, a number of the people you hear on air, myself included, have had the opportunity to promote causes that are near and dear to our our heart. And um, I'm very pleased to be joined by my friend and colleague, Steve Scafidi, who is leading the latest WTMJ Cares initiative. Hi, Steve. Good afternoon, Jeff. And I was just sitting in the chair you're sitting in, so it's good to jump back into the studio. Yes, uh, as I've watched these WTMJ Cares programs go forward, and you know, whether it's been uh, Gene Miller, Jane Matinair, all the other great work that everybody's done, I wanted to be part of that as well. And as you know, my, my story is connected to public safety. Uh, what happened in Oak Creek, my life as, a, as an elected official. I wanted to tell those stories. There's some incredible things that those people do, those men and women who 24-7, 365, sometimes putting their lives on the line, and they don't, they're not looking for credit, but I want to share their stories in, in a lot of different ways in, in the month of May as part of my Salute to Service. So how is, how is Salute to Service going to operate? 
We're looking for nominations. That's the process right now. So if you if you text the keyword salute, S-A-L-U-T-E, all lowercase, it'll take you to the nomination page. And I want to hear about police officers, firefighters, emergency medical responders, local sheriffs, Wisconsin State Patrol, anybody that's impacted your life, saved a life, uh, maybe uh, changed the direction for a young person, helped the community in some incredible way. I want to get those nominations. They're, they're due by this Friday. And then in May, I'll start telling those stories on the air. How is that going to work out exactly? So somebody calls in, they nominate somebody who maybe it was a, maybe it was a firefighter who helped pull them out of a burning building or something like that. So the the listener makes the nomination. Then what happens? So that what I'll do is, and, and I need some basic information, a couple paragraphs on what happened, maybe when it happened, what the organization was, whether it was a, a local police department, local sheriff, uh, state patrol. I'll do the digging. I'll contact them. I'll find out who the individual or individuals were, and then I'll, I'll interview them. And then as May goes forward, as we get to the actual uh, each day in May, we'll tell those stories either live or recorded about what happened to in, in that each uh, case. Now, I guess, that, you know, this is a lot of times when we do the WTMJ Cares thing, we're, we're raising money for different causes. This is, this is a little bit different because what you're trying to do is spotlight people who um, do amazing things, but don't necessarily get the attention perhaps they deserve. And as I've gone out and talked to the fire chiefs, police chiefs as part of this initiative, they don't really want the credit, but I want to tell the stories. And for a couple reasons. One, some of the stories are incredible. The things they do, you know, the, the cliched running into a burning building, but that actually happens in real life. Or, you know, meeting people on the worst days of their lives when it comes to violent situations, domestic violence. Like, like I said, they're out there every day of the year. And, and at the same time that's going on, there's a lot of folks in this country who like to criticize, especially police officers, but other public safety officials as well, for the work that they're, they're doing or, in their minds, not doing. I want to correct the record, and I want to tell people, these are some amazing stories that are going on out there. I'm going to tell them. And at the end of the month, we're going to recognize the best of the best. And although they're not looking for praise, and they're, and they're certainly not looking for money, I want to just reward these people for the great work they do, and I think it's a story that's not told often enough. So for people who want to participate, and we certainly encourage that, how do they go about doing that again? Text the keyword SALUTE, S-A-L-U-T-E, all lowercase, to 414-799-1620. I'll take it from there. Give me a couple paragraphs on what happened, where it happened, what organization was involved. I'll do the digging, and then I'll tell those stories on the air. You know, and, and I think from a listener's perspective, Steve, it's going to be absolutely fascinating when when you start rolling these out uh, in, in May. I think it's going to be absolutely fascinating for people to hear the the real the real heroes, the the unsung unsung heroes that are operating throughout our community. Incredible stories happening every day. We just don't hear about them. Okay, so that's Steve Scafidi's Salute to Service. You can get started. Simply text the word SALUTE, S-A-L-U-T-E, to 414-799-1620 and be listening. Thanks for joining us, Steve. Thank you, Jeff. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, is it time to declare enough is enough when it comes to the mainstream media's war on Donald Trump? Stick around. 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. All right. Interesting, interesting story. It's 119, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Glad to have you with us. Um, <laughs> there, there is an irony to this story. Uh, President Trump, really, since he took office, has been besieged by the mainstream media. And I understand 
that he brings a lot of it on himself with the various tweets, with some of the kind of interpretive remarks that he makes. I understand that he brings some of it on himself. I, I would say at the same time, though, I cannot remember a president in my lifetime that never had any sort of honeymoon with the press who has just been the target, targeted by the mainstream media. And I'm talking about, you know, whether it's the late night comics or just television shows or news shows or talking head shows or whatever. It's been almost universal that here, you know, Donald Trump is unqualified and it's been a constant drone of negative attention to the point that I I mean, I've always believed that President Trump could come out and he could give each and every American citizen a one hundred dollar bill and people would complain because, well, you got to make change. What do I mean? It's a hundred dollar bill. I got to break it. Now, the interesting irony, of course, and then President Trump, who is notoriously thin-skinned, fires back and, um, you know, labels fake news and calls out reporters for what he considers to be errors or unfair coverage. Now, the irony of this is that um, the war with Trump, with President Trump, has has done, well, it's done wonders for news. Um Typically, what happens is you have spikes in viewership and readership around elections. You know, there's a run-up to the election where people are tuned in, especially news junkies. They're paying all sorts of attention. And then after the election, it's kind of like, okay, let's kind of take a deep breath. That really hasn't happened under the Trump administration. New York's Times subscription revenue grew to more than $1 billion in 2017. It grew. Um, the Washington Post hit more than 1 million digital subscribers for the first time since September of 2017. The 60 Minutes interview with um, the, the pornographic film actress Stormy Daniels, viewed by 22 million people, the show's highest ratings in 10 years. CNN, Fox News, Politico sustained higher readership rates um, since the 2016 election. Um, of course, you know, you've seen the spike in people who are tuning into MSNBC as they try to present themselves as the, the leading voice of the, I was going to say loyal opposition, but let's just say opposition. So being anti-Trump sells newspapers, it gets listeners, it gets eyeballs, it gets viewers. So as long as that is going on, you, you know that there is going to be a financial incentive to do it. And I will be the first person to acknowledge, like I say, that President Trump brings on a lot of this himself. When you send out some of the tweets that he sends out at 4.30 in the morning, obviously that is going to get coverage. President Trump is, as I said a minute ago, in my opinion, notoriously thin-skinned. And, you know, when he reacts to people who say various things, that then takes these stories and makes them second and third and fourth day stories. But at the same time, I don't think the relentless negative coverage is good for the country. And I appreciate, I appreciate that, you know, the press has its role and the press should fairly and legitimately cover and criticize elected officials whenever they see fit. That is the right of a free press. However, what you have going on now is you have almost this this group think that goes on that is that nothing that Trump can do is going to ever be good. 
and that everything he does has to be covered from essentially a negative perspective. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I get that President Trump makes mistakes. I get that his administration is perhaps more chaotic, at least publicly chaotic, than a lot of other administrations. And I get that he invites these battles and seems to relish kind of the street fighting aspect of, you know, giving as good as he gets. At the same time, have we reached a point where really it's kind of enough is enough and that maybe... Maybe you need more of a balanced approach to this. 414-799-1620, are you starting to tune out to, again, a lot of the mainstream media coverage because of its relentless negativity? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and don't get me wrong, I mean, I think that the press has every right to criticize. I'm just saying I don't think I ever remember a situation in American politics where the criticism is so relentlessly negative all across the board. I mean, there will always be pockets on the left and pockets on the right where, you know, you have echo chambers. But here the echo chamber is the entire mainstream media and almost all of it is negative Trump. 414-799-1620, is that type of coverage disturbing to you does it bother you is it causing you to tune out and is it hurting big picture the image of the mainstream media moving forward 414-799-1620 if you're on the line please hold on we discuss next it's 125 this is jeff wagner wtmj 127 jeff wagner wtmj let's start with jeremy in south milwaukee hi jeremy hi jeff great show great topic thank you um i just I, I stopped watching the news, the locals and the national news on any of the networks months ago. It's just, I think it's embarrassing the way that everything that's said about the president is, is completely negative. There never seems to be anything positive. Right. And I, I think it's embarrassing for us as a country. I think it looks bad on us that nobody has anything good to say about the president. Well, well at, least, mean, at least if you watch television... Or read the Washington Post or the New York Times. Nobody has anything to good to say about him. You know, that, that, and, and that's that's the thing. I mean, it's just it's the overall slant. And I, Jeremy, I mean, it's fair to criticize him when he does dumb things, and he's done some dumb things. But not everything he's done has fit in that category. He gets no credit for anything. Absolutely, he should be criticized when he makes a bad decision. But so should everyone else. And when he does something good, that should be made note of also. Well, exactly. And I think that's what the that's what the frustrating thing is. And it's what I mean, he has picked a fight with the mainstream media, with the, the major news networks and all. And, and I understand they don't like to be called out for their excesses. And so they kind of double down. But it, it's almost like you don't have journalism anymore. What you have is you, you have people who become overt partisans. And that's always been true to an extent, I, I think. I think it's worse now than ever. 
And I'm looking at some of these numbers because this controversy sells. You get the idea that it's probably going to get even worse. And I, I just I wonder if that's good for the country. I mean, obviously, look, you don't want a lapdog media. And I can argue that perhaps we had a lapdog media, for example, over the, the preceding eight years where there was no sort of critical coverage or very little critical coverage of you know presidents when the president Obama, for example, did various things. But that's OK. That that's okay. Now the pendulum has just swung completely to the opposite. Kent in Pewaukee. Kent, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Very well, thank you, sir. All right. Um, has it gone too far? Oh, oh, yes, exactly. Gone way too far. You know, I stopped listening to the news and the and, and about almost about a year ago, and it and because it was just oh so negative. You know, you you just get tired of listening to it, and uh, you know so. You know, I just stopped listening to it. It made my life a lot better. I listened to you, a couple other talk shows uh-huh. in the morning, but uh, you know, mm-hmm. I used to listen to Charlie religiously, and then, uh, you know, I was just so grateful you were on afterwards <laughs> so you could bring me back down to earth, you know? Well, that's but, kind uh, of to say, but I mean, I, again, look, it, it's I understand that, you know, First of all, you got the shows that are going to always offer their opinions. Like, okay, you got Rachel Maddow, you know, on on MSNBC, and she's been very, very successful as you know, crafting herself as the leader of the um, you know opposition. Hey, thanks for the call, Kent. And I mean, and there's always a role for that opinion stuff. But it's I, I get, I mean, I get the New York Times on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday delivered to the house. Okay, um, uh, as is kind of a paper of record. I'll sit down with my cup of coffee and I'll read through it, and I I swear that. I don't want to say 100%, but, you know, over the last year, 95, 98% of the stories, whenever they talk about Trump, it's always from a negative angle. And, and, and that's the news stories. And I think you see that with ABC and NBC and CBS News. You see that with a lot of the cable channels and where you have the information bleeding over into the opinion. And it might be selling now, but I think big picture, it's bad for this country. 136, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Emergency responders having to deal with mental health crises more, are having to deal with mental health crises more and more. Scott Warris is in for John McCure, and he and Melissa Barkley will share the assistance that may be coming to your community. Tune in, 4.50 this afternoon on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, th- th- this next story is a small story, I guess, unless you were the one involved in it. And um, I-, I saw it reported, I think, exclusively on Fox 6. All right, what caught me is the headline of the story, It's All Just Crazy, Overdue Fines for Girl Whose Library Card Was Stolen, More Than $400, Suspect Still at Large. All right, here's what they reported. Fox 6 News, and this is the way they say it, first told you about the search for a man using a little girl's library card on April 17th. As of Monday, April 23rd, the family continued to receive hefty fines. The family said they can't believe what kind of damage a library card has done. They're left with fees they don't feel they should have to pay. Um, 12-year-old girl got a library card, goes into the West Alice Public Library a little while ago, and leaves with something she wasn't expecting. She forgot her library card. She left her library card in the library. She says, I, I just I, I went back to look for it, and it was gone. Soon, she reported her missing library card to authorities. Right, the library has been stolen. Police say she, a man was spotted using it multiple times at several locations. 
And Channel 6 has the, the video. Okay, now this is a 12-year-old girl's library card. It's a appears to be a middle-aged or maybe older heavy guy wandering around in a fatigue jacket with what I think might be a Packers hat, a ski cap on. Um, but it does not look anything like a 12-year-old girl. And it certainly doesn't look like somebody who has the name of a 12-year-old girl. So anyways, they've got this guy on, on videotape. Police say the suspect used it in Cudahy to rent a thriller movie series totaling 250 bucks. In West Dallas, he checked out a slew of books and movies, leaving the family with overdue fees. The bill from the West Dallas Public Library alone is $475. They've received pages of overdue notices from the library, and the family says library officials won't do anything about the fees unless they file a police report with the West Dallas Police Department, which they have done. Uh, let's see. I'm just, this is the father. I'm just frustrated with the whole situation at this point. It's a long process. We're still getting bills from it. Um, the 12 year old says, well, I, I hope they find this guy and there's some type of consequence and I can go back to the library like I used to. Police in Cudahy and West Dallas are working on the investigation. As of Monday, the suspect was not in custody. Fox 6 News has left multiple messages of the past week with the West Dallas Public Library regarding whether the family will have to pay for this, and they have not returned our messages. All right. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text line okay let's review the bidding here you have a 12 year old girl using the public library she loses her library card leaves it in the public library all right by the time she goes back to retrieve it it's gone some creepy middle-aged or older guy has picked up the library card and now is starting to use this to charge up all sorts of things take out Take out books, take out movies, rent movies, all these things on the little girl's card. Well, she's 12. On the girl's card. All right? They have reported it as stolen. And apparently the library is saying, well, we're unclear as to whether we're going to let you off the hook for these charges. Even though they have surveillance cameras showing the guy charging up things and doing all this stuff and using the card. Our number, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I, I have, there's so many stories that this question raises. This, there's so many questions this story raises. I mean, first of all, if you know it is a stolen library card, how can he be continuing to use it at different places? Secondly, um, is there no other identification that you have to show because this guy clearly is not the 12-year-old girl. And I guess the bigger picture is, um, bigger picture is, well, how, how if you know, and there's no disagreement here that this girl and her family did not check out the books, did not check out the movies, isn't the one that's using this card to run up the overdue fees. How in the world, given that everybody knows this, how in the world can you go after her or her family for the fees? Isn't this kind of like a credit card 
where, all right, these are not my charges. The credit card has been stolen. I am the victim. The girl is the victim here, isn't she? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. It, the, the whole thing is 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 bizarre. And I guess the one thing I'm a little bit unclear of is, did the guy run up all these charges before she reported as stolen? I don't think that's the case, but I guess it could be. But even so, if everybody agrees that this is a stolen card, they've got the surveillance photos of him when he is using the card to check stuff out, how how can you go after the little girl? Mike on the north side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. How are you doing today? Hi, Mike. Well, this one's just bizarre for me. <laughs> right. I think it really is. Now, listen, I'm in my six, right? And I have a library card. But now the library card is in the federated library system where you can go to any library within Brown Deer or whatever. Yes, sir. Right. To be from Milwaukee. But in Milwaukee, they take your picture. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, and see, and that's a very good question. I don't know if her picture is on this card, but let me tell you, no, I've seen the in the card. What I'm saying is the picture ain't in the card, but when they checking out all of this, and the computer, this is what I'm saying. Right. The computer system is so sophisticated now that if I use my credit card and it's being used time and time again, right after one another, I'm going to get a fraud alert. Yep. Right. Can't the library have that? <laughs> and I think really the person that checked the book out, allowed him to check the book out, should be the one held accountable. Yeah, no, thank, well, right. I mean, thanks. I mean, right. It, it is. It's one of these mind blowing things about how can this happen. And you're right. I mean, I think there is some sort of photo system that's around. I mean, they've got the surveillance photos. I mean, the other thing I don't understand is. You know, again, was the library card canceled once it was reported as stolen? Were any of these were any of these things taken after the card was reported as stolen? And the sense I get from the story is she did it reasonably quickly. But but regardless, it, how can you be going after this girl and her family for these things? You know, she did not check them out. She's she's the victim of this for goodness sakes. Kevin in Oconomowoc. Kevin, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Jeff, this is a simple lack of common sense. It speaks to the bigger picture Mm -hmm. of how our society has completely lost common sense, and I don't see that that's going to be the changing case anytime soon when you have people like this. If they're questioning whether to let this girl off the hook, I think that the municipal authorities that have control over the library should be considering whether they want to let the library people off the hook. Because how can you... Take something that is simple and easy to understand, and an eighth grader could figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And then now, and, and right. now we're going to make a, a kid account for something they had no control over. No way. Right. No. Exactly. I mean. Right. Exactly. And, and a situation where everybody acknowledges that this isn't an issue where the twelve-year-old girl has to convince anybody that she's not the one that that went to Cudahy and rented a thriller movie series totaling 250 bucks or checked out a slew of books and movies i mean everybody agrees with all this that it's it's the bad guy that is responsible it's, and and i mean i mean what kind of sleaze ball you know steals a little kid's library card and then decides that they're going to go on this kind of rampage you know charging things up 
and again, how, how I do have all sorts of questions about how you're able to, to do that. You mean you find a library card and immediately then that means, you know, you can go charge all these different things on the card. Nobody asks you for identification. That that says to me that maybe there's an issue at these libraries with regard to checking identity and things like that. But given that the fact that you know it is a problem, you should be able to catch it. And to your point, I, I, I agree completely. I, I was, I've told this story before. I, I'm, in, I'm in Las Vegas. This is a, a few times ago. And on my floor at the hotel I was staying at, they've got like a, a Coke machine where they charge a ridiculous amount of money for a, a, a bottle of Coke. And it doesn't, the machine doesn't take cash. It only takes credit cards. Well, I'm, I'm coming back one night and I really want a Diet Coke. And so against my better judgment, I, I, I wanted the Diet Coke. I go up to the soda machine. I put my credit card in for, you know, whatever it was, a couple bucks, get the Diet Coke. The next day, I get this fraud alert from my credit card company because the way a lot of credit cards, they determine that they're fraudulent is what happens is the person that steals the credit card or gets the credit card number, what they'll do a lot of times is they'll use it for a small purchase like at a convenience store for a couple bucks to see if that works. And then if it works, then they start charging, you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars of, of tickets to airlines or, or whatever. So, I mean, I, I use it for a couple bucks at this hotel in Las Vegas, and the next morning I'm getting a fraud alert exactly like you're talking about, saying, um, you know, it, did, did you authorize this charge? We need to know because if you don't get back to us within X amount of time, we're going to suspend your credit card while we figure this all out. Um, and I was able to do it. But, I mean, if you're able to do that with credit cards, you would think that, Gosh, you should be able to either cut off library cards before people are able to run up this kind of dough. But regardless, you shouldn't be going after the the 12-year-old girl, right? All right, when we come back, Lena Taylor speaks not. Stick around. It's 148. This is Jeff Wagner. 151, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. No surprise, um, Richard Schmidt, who is the acting sheriff... Um, who will complete the term of, of David Clark, uh, announced today that he is running for election in his own right. Um, he announced, and it was interesting, because in, in all the lead-up to this, and he, he just he never said which political party he was running, which banner he was going to run under. It is a partisan race. Some people think it shouldn't be. Um, he announced, no surprise, that he is running as a Democrat. Um, don't know if he's a Democrat or not. But the, the reality is, if you're going to get elected to countywide office in um, to countywide office in Milwaukee County, unless you're Scott Walker running in a nonpartisan race, it's pretty tough to get elected as a Republican. So he announces he's running as a Democrat. Um, what's going on is he's got uh, he will have a Democratic primary, and it's going to be contested. He's got two Democratic challengers, one who was a deputy a guy who was a deputy in Franklin, and then a former Milwaukee police captain, Ernell Lucas, um, from MPD, who was active with Major League Baseball after that. It's going to be a very, very spirited race. I, I candidly, I think Richard Schmidt's done a pretty good job since you know, taking over after David Clark left. But it's going to be an uphill battle. I, I don't want to say uphill. It is going to be a, a, a spirited battle because, keep in mind, I mean, Schmidt was the number two guy um, under David Clark. And the question is going to be, has he had enough time to establish himself as his own guy? And to the extent that there's a lot of Democrats in Milwaukee County who are, are smarting over the fact that David Clark, who was really a Republican and a conservative, 
and then later on kind of sort of an independent um, that, that Clark was able to get elected as a Democrat, you know, election after election after election. And I think that they're going to be looking for a real Democrat. And I don't know if that's what Richard Schmidt is or not. But in any event, you know, he said that he is, in fact, going to run again. All right. When we come back, I want to tell you the latest developments in the Lena Taylor saga. Stick around. It is 154. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, uh, Grant Langley, who is the city attorney for Milwaukee, who I've said before, I, I think Grant is quite a straight shooter. His office announcing today that they are not going to be backing down. They're not going to give in to any sort of pressure, and they are going to go ahead and prosecute State Senator Lena Taylor for disorderly conduct. The allegations are a couple weeks ago Friday, she was in a bank downtown Milwaukee, got abusive with a bank teller including using the N-word in direction in the direction of the bank teller. Um, she's now hired a lawyer, Vince Bobbitt. I've known Vince for a number of years. He said he tried to convince them not to issue the citation. They have. Um, it's a civil citation. It's not a criminal citation. But here's the interesting thing, and this tells you a lot, I think, about the character of the person involved here. Um, I, I thought early on, the way to have handled this is for Lena Taylor to have come clean, to simply, if she did this, to have come out and said, I, look, I, I got angry, I did this, I'm sorry, I apologize, boom, and move on. Her reaction was to hire a lawyer, lawyer up. She still has not even commented on this matter and refuses to comment on this matter. And it's really a simple question. I mean, did you do this or didn't you? Did you use the racial slur or, or didn't you? Her attorney, for for his part, says, well, I, I, I just don't know. I, I haven't seen the reports. I haven't seen the surveillance things, which is what lawyers do, where they say, well, okay, to the client, don't tell me what you did. Let me see what I think the cops or the government or the state can prove, which is it is a legitimate tactic, I guess, for attorneys to use. But we are talking about a state senator here, all right? And I, I think beyond the the civil disorderly conduct charge, you would think – um, it's a matter of character. If you did something like this, you should come forward. You should acknowledge it. You should apologize for it. You shouldn't lawyer up and then take the position that, well, I'm, I'm not going to comment on this, and we'll see what the state can prove. All right? Maybe that's maybe that's something you do if you're not an elected official. But it would seem to me, again, as a matter of character, this is an extremely and I'll use the word disappointing approach. And I'm glad the city attorney's office has decided to pursue this matter. Um, I hope they shortly release the police reports, release the body cameras, release the surveillance video so everybody can see what happened there. But it is unfortunate that State Senator Lena Taylor doesn't have the character and address this issue directly because she knows what she did in the bank that day. She doesn't have to wait to see the body cam report. She shouldn't have to wait to see the surveillance reports. She should be able to say, yes, I did this, or no, I didn't. Not, I'm going to lawyer up and talk to my lawyer. It is disappointing that this is happening. Just saying. It's 159. This is Jeff Wagner. When we come back, would you let Amazon into your car? Stick around. 
208. This is Jeff Wagner. Big time for Wisconsin sports fans. You've got the Brewers on a six-game winning streak, starting a very important nine-game road trip. And all the games matter, even though it's still you know April moving into May. Got the Brewers with game five in Boston. And after losing those first two games, I admit there was a lot of people. And I was a little bit skeptical as well as to whether they're going to be able to make it a series. But two big home wins. And you can hear that game here tonight on WTMJ as well. So Brewers playing well. Bucks playing well. Uh, Journal Sentinel reporting UW. Now, when it comes to men's basketball, I, I'm a Marquette fan. So and that's, I, of course, went to Marquette University Law School. Um, but I, I've always... I thought UWM. Um, I, I've always enjoyed UWM because it's sort of a they play in the Horizon League. They're sort of a scrappy mid-major type of team, and you know they went through a period of time where they, they had a surprisingly amount, a great amount of success. Uh, those days appear to be sort of behind them, and the program appears to be a mess. This is the latest story. Their top three players are apparently leaving the basketball program. That's the way the Journal Sentinel reports it. The Panthers, the, that's their, the UWM Panthers, their top three players, two junior guards and a sophomore forward, have all asked for and received their releases from the university in order to transfer and play elsewhere. Um, a sophomore guard, uh, uh, two other sophomore guards, left the program in late March. That means five scholarship players have now departed in less than a month. Additionally, a source said that three of the four players that UWM signed in the early signing period last fall also have asked to be released from their national letters of intent. So that's five players who were expected to come back and three of the four recruits. They're going to be lucky to have enough to scrimmage with. I mean, you want to talk about walk-ons. If you want to play mid-major college basketball, enroll at UWM and try out, because I think they're going to be desperate for bodies. What do you think, Ruse, producing the show? You and I, do we have any college eligibility left, maybe, huh? Uh, yeah, that's it. You're 5'10", I'm 6'1", but I'm old and slow. Well, we, you know, who knows? There still might be a spot for us. Uh, just and it's it, it just looks like it's debacle. I don't know what the answer. I don't know what the problem is. Obviously, there, there's obviously there is some issue going on. Their their coach is moving into the second year. Um, teams, the kids just all want to play at I guess places where they think they'll have a better chance to win. But not good at all for the program. Okay, here is the story about Amazon. It one of the things that's been going on in the world of, of shopping is that we want it to be as convenient as possible. You know, it used to be that, all right, every Saturday we're going to get up and we're going to go to the grocery store and we're spend an hour walking through the grocery store and get our groceries for the week. Well, nowadays you have delivery services that you can order your groceries. You can They'll, they'll bring them to your home. Or you can call up your local grocery store and say, here, this is what I want. Here's my list. Have somebody shop for me, and then I'm going to come at 245, and I'm going to pull up in front, and I want them to bring out the bag to me. There, there's all those different things around. We want stuff convenient. Same thing is true when it comes to shopping for other items. Used to be, gee, I have to wait till the new book that I want to read is, is coming out. And then I'll, I'll go over to Barnes and Noble or whatever bookstore is around, and I'll hope that they've gotten it in, and I'll, and I'll purchase it. Now you go on to Amazon, and you say, okay, this is what I want. And they say, okay, it's due to be released on April 23rd. You pre-order it, and then it's in your mailbox on April 23rd. 
or you know there's something else that you want um you can now get in many cases like next day delivery of these type of things it's just the way everything operates we want stuff convenient we want stuff brought to us well part of the problem with that is if you're if you're not home or you work how do you how do you deal with for example packages and we've had one story after another um off of the mean streets of Milwaukee where you have porch pirates that operate you know the folks that follow the delivery vehicles around and wait till people the delivery driver you know puts the packages out on on the porch so let's say you know it's a private residence or it's an apartment building where there's like a common entry they leave the package that you've purchased through Amazon or whatever. They leave the package in that common area. The porch pirate comes, follows the delivery driver, and steals the package. And you've seen this happen over and over again. A lot of stories where they, the people, they're just so brazen, they've been caught on surveillance cameras, but it doesn't make any difference. So, you know, the response is, uh, police response is, well, you could have it sent to work. Well, I mean, that you're not going to have stuff delivered to your work as a practical matter. Work's not going to let you do that. Um, and the idea of, well, okay, you can uh, say that you have to sign for it, and then that means that you're probably going to end up going out to the Amazon delivery thing. That defeats the whole purpose of convenience. So they're trying to wrestle with the idea of how do you get that package delivered. Well, here's the newest thing that they have started doing. Amazon, in certain test cities, right now they're starting to roll this out on a test basis, I believe, in 37 cities. Here's the idea. Amazon will deliver the packages to the trunk of your car. Here is this this program. What it will do is you have to give permission for it, but it will let Amazon drivers unlock your car via an app and leave the package inside the car rather than on your doorstep. The idea is to think of Amazon as kind of turning your car into a locker, except you get to decide where the locker is located and you can move it around. It's the new addition to what they call the Amazon Key Program, which began in October that allows Amazon drivers to open customers' front doors and leave the package inside. Um, this is available to Prime members where the delivery is available. Currently, 37 metro areas across the United States. It works with same-day, two-day, and standard shipping. Um, the idea is, again, there's a handful of car brands. In-car delivery is restricted to a handful of car brands, compatible 2015 or newer Chevrolet, Buicks, GMC, or Cadillac vehicles with an active OnStar account, also um, Volvo accounts. They say they want to add more. You download the key app to your phone, then you link the app to your Prime account and to the vehicle. When you order something from Amazon, in-car delivery pops up as one of the options. You tell the app where your car will be parked, and you can also add a note uh, to the driver that you want it in the front, the back, the trunk, or even under the seat. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will this work? Would you be inclined to use something like this, essentially giving the Amazon driver the ability to unlock your car and drop the package in the car, front seat, back seat, under the seat, trunk, whatever? Will this be a success? Will people use it? Or does this require too much trust? 
414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I have a theory on this. I will share it, but I'm curious as to where you come down. Would you do something like this? Don't have to leave packages on your doorstep. Don't have to worry about the packages coming to your office. They're delivered to your car, so when you go out of work or come out from wherever, the package is there. But, 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 you've got to give the driver of Amazon the ability to get into your car. 414-799-1620. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Uh, the Bucks and the Brewers look to bring last weekend's luck to Boston and Kansas City, respectively. First, Giannis and company square off with the Celtics. You can hear that here on WTMJ starting at 540. And then the Brewers and Royals get going at 94.5 KTI Country at 635. Right now, we're talking about this new thing that's being rolled out starting today in 37 cities. Milwaukee is not one of them. But essentially, you can sign up with Amazon. And if you've got a certain model car, you download this app, and it gives the Amazon driver the ability to unlock your car. You tell your you tell Amazon where the car is going to be parked. You order something. The driver comes to your car, opens up the car, and puts the packages in. You can say front seat, back seat, trunk, under the seat, whatever. So you come out after work, for example, and your, your packages are there. It does require a level of trust because... You're giving Amazon, the driver, the ability to open your car. Will this succeed? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike in Brookfield. Hi, Mike. Uh, hi. How are you doing? Good. What I, do you think? I, I just find this hilarious. This is, once again, really 2018 man is still trying to build a better mousetrap. <laughs> Why don't we just go back to the caveman solution uh, how about we just invent some sort of box that is like an old-time safe where it has a, a like a book depository at a library, and we just install them in your house. I mean, how, how expensive could that be to make some sort of, of attachment in a hole in your wall, and we stick it in there for maybe 100 bucks, maybe uh, 125 bucks. You know, it's interesting. When I was a kid, my parents, I grew up in Glendale, they had yeah. a milk chute. You remember the old sure. milk chutes? You know, the milk, when, when they still delivered milk, the milkman... Yeah. Would put you'd, you'd open it, it opened up to the outside and the inside. They put the milk in. I tell you the truth, we went on vacation once. Some kids broke in, robbed our house. They had a kid that slid yeah. through the milk chute. Yeah. Who would have thought that? Yep. Well, we had them growing up in Brookfield, also. I, I totally remember. Yeah, yeah, they made them just big enough, so just small enough, so the milkman couldn't get it, get through them. But <laughs> yeah. Even if, if somebody delivered chocolate milk, I remember. You know, sticking our arm through there. Trying to oh, yeah. No, it's, it, no, it's it. So you don't think this is going to catch on, huh? No, no. I think this is just as odd and obnoxious as the thing where they can open your front door. Come on. They're still not going to case these people. They're not going to maybe have a gun to their head and open the door. Now you got your whole house open. So now this one, now we're going to expose our cars, well, our sacred cars to this. So. Now the FedEx guy drives away, and out comes two guys with crowbars, and well, they that's, smash the windows and pop the trunk. Well, thanks. See, that is, I mean, that is the that is the flip side of this because I guess the question is going to become if if you've got, for example, the porch pirates that are following the FedEx drivers around and you know waiting for the packages to be delivered and dropped off. You know, is that going to be the same thing? The porch pirates are going to follow the FedEx driver. They're going to see him. Hey, this guy's got a Volvo or this guy's got a Cadillac. You put the packages in there. Then, like you say, they approach with a crowbar or whatever and break in. Now, that's a little bit more difficult, you would think, 
than um, just going up to a porch or into a common area in an apartment and ripping off the packages. But I guess it's definitely a risk. All right, w- would you go along with something like this? 414-799-1620, Dennis in Cedarburg. Hi, Dennis. Hi, I'm here. Hi, Dennis. I'm here. Sure, go ahead. Hi, oh, I'm sorry about that. Oh. I thought Bill's comments were outstanding, and, and they're better than mine. <laughs> but um, what I think is going to happen is I don't think uh, people will have a choice how Amazon delivers in the future, because I think through the means of artificial intelligence and self-driving vehicles and the connectivity of the Internet of Things, um, it's going to be, uh, it's going to take a lot of the trepidation, fear, uh, angst mm-hmm. away from a human being getting into things. Um, so I think that's inevitable. But I, again, I like Bill's comments, and I, and I do think that the sharing community will evolve to automobiles. And so the specific example of having it put in your automobile, I think, um, is, is false because um, pe- most people will be driving a shared automobile. Right, right. So, uh, right, so you don't have the, own, the own ownership. I don't know. I have to tell you, um, now I, I want to share with you, I'm getting, a lot of, I'm getting a lot of texts on this. Uh, let's see, and I'll share a couple of them with you. Absolutely not. That's one. Um, there are Amazon delivery lockers and other retailers like Boston Store, coming to Kohl's and Whole Foods. That's a much better idea than the car access plan, um, which I wouldn't do, even though I'm a big Amazon consumer. Well, the, the problem with the, the lockers, like, you know, is that you, you have to, you have to go out of your way to get to the place. And I think more and more people want convenience. That's the whole idea in many respects between the online shopping. You know, you, you don't have to travel to, the store to pick up what you want. Um, let's see. Um, I, I have to tell you, I I understand the concerns uh, about all this, uh, but I will tell you, I think this is the wave of the future. I I have to think about whether or not I would give Amazon permission to go into my car. And, of course, then it also raises issues as well. There, there's certain places you couldn't. I mean, I, I park here at work. We have a, a, a gated lot. You can't just get in. So, that's, of course, going to be a limit, and I'm pretty sure that they're not going to just let you open up and drive in if you're an Amazon driver to deliver somebody's package. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I doubt it. Um, so there is going to be that limitation. I'm a little bit old school, and I'm not sure that I would do it. Gru, you are younger. Would you do something like this? You're not sure. Maybe, maybe not. I it, I, I, I think that there's going to be some early adopters who jump on this. I, my guess is this is, is going to be a success. And my guess is this is going to be sort of the wave of the future as more people want their packages and they want them in a convenient fashion. Bill in Brookfield. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Bill. A logistical nightmare. Can you imagine searching the parking lot for a car that isn't where the driver said it was going to be? Yeah. (laughs) And there's a lot of reasons why a car wouldn't be. Oh, I had to go home early. My son was sick. And then then what's the driver going to do? How long are they going to look? Yeah, um, so your concern isn't so much a privacy thing. You just don't think that they're going to be able to put it together to, to do it in a, in, a, in the real world, in a practical no, basis. I, no, I picture these drivers, these delivery drivers, looking for a vehicle that isn't where the driver said it was going to be. And how, how big are some of these parking lots? You know, well, you have, an, you have an address, but uh, you don't know where the car is. Would you allow the driver to come into your house, that, like use that smart key program? I guess I'd prefer that didn't happen. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, thanks. I think there's going to be, I, I think there is going to be a degree of resistance because you, and of course, you're always going to be scared. Gee, you know, what if somebody hacks into this app? Does that mean that they can now, you know, open my car and, and get into the car? Lots of, I, lots of legitimate concerns about this. And I have to tell you, I would not be in a hurry to do it. I, maybe I'm just old fashioned. I, I still, I, I still don't mind. I'm still willing to risk, you know, having the package put in my mailbox or, you know, put on the front porch. I haven't been a victim yet of something like that. But I can see in urban areas, I, I bet you, I bet you this is a huge success. Maybe up, not today, not tomorrow, but as this rollout goes on, I'll bet you more and more people are willing to do it. Just saying. 227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 235, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Um, PG-13 warning. This this comment I want to make, the story I want to tell you about, is just a little, little, a tad adult, but it's just absolutely bizarre. Now, Gru, who's producing the show today, do you know who Stan Lee is? Yeah, okay, Stan Lee, who is one of the creators at Marvel Comics. Um, I grew up reading comic books. I'm not embarrassed to admit that. I, I, I think, and I've said this before, one of the greatest gifts that you can give young people is the gift of reading. I started at a very young age reading comic books. And I was a big Marvel comic books fan, you know, going back to the 60s. I can remember a lot of these early comics. And I'm one of the millions of people in America who said, why did we throw out those comic books? I, you know, why did we throw out Fantastic Four number one that's now worth thousands of dollars, whatever. But I, I, I grew up reading comic books. And I, and then, cause I, I think what happens is if you give people the gift of, of reading, well, you start off with comic books and then, or whatever you start off with and then, Next thing you know, you're, you're reading all sorts of other stuff, and it's a passion that is reading that has followed me my entire life. So, I mean, I don't apologize for saying, yeah, I read the comic books. I can, I can remember going to my father or my mother and saying, what is this word? Or, and I, and help me out with this word and stuff like that. I just, I, I always, to this day, there is a word that I have trouble with. Um, one of, in one of the early Spider-Man books, like his first or second issue, third issue, something like that. The villain was the chameleon, and you, you spell chameleon. It looks like Shyamalan. It's with an S C H, and for to this day, I always struggle with that word because I look at it and it keeps look. I know it's chameleon. I know the H is silent, but it. I want to say it's Shyamalan, and I just and that, but I, I remember when I was six years old struggling with that word. They say it's chameleon. I said, well, "What do you mean? Why there's an H there?" And but but regardless, it, it, I, I'm a big believer in that. So I'm a huge fan of Stan Lee. Stan Lee was one of the guys at Marvel Comics who created all these great characters. On, what, Thursday or Friday, you've got the new Avengers movie that's opening. You know, most of those characters were created, you know, by, you know, they came out of the mind of Stan Lee and a number of the other people that he ended up working with. Well, he's um, now in his mid-90s. Is he 90? He's either 92 or 95. And there, there's all sorts of issues. His wife passed away recently, and there's all sorts of questions about whether you know he's being taken advantage of, and there's a kid stealing his money, and all those things. But here's the story in the Chicago Tribune that, that really kind of has you you shaking your head. Um, apparently, he was at a comics convention in Chicago um, in 2017, and the the allegations he has now been accused of and sued for inappropriate sexual behavior. Now, like I say, the guy's, he's, he's 92, I, I think. Um, he's 95. 
Actually, he's 95, 95 years old. So here, here's what the, the allegations are. The allegation says that he's he's at this this hotel in Chicago. He's doing this comic this appearance at a comics convention, and you know one of his his assistant or his former assistant calls up this massage place, and you know and hires a massage therapist to come up and give the guy a massage in in the room. Okay, so. That's what happened. She gives him the, you know, he's 95 years old, sent to the hotel suite. And the, the allegations are that midway through the massage, um, well, he, he starts wanting more than just what is covered in the massage. So the massage therapist kind of freaks out, says, no, I'm not going to do that, and, and leaves. All right. So the next night, they call the same company. And the same massage therapist who walked out because she was freaked out by the guy comes back, you know, to give him another massage. And there he, you know, again, starts like grabbing himself and things like that. So it, it's just, you hope it's not true because Stanley is, is such an icon for so many people. And if you grew up reading Marvel comics and things like that, you just kind of, you sort of hate to see that at the age of, of 95, it's kind of come to that. I don't know whether it's true or not. I certainly don't want to victimize the victim. I, I do think it's a little bit unusual that if you've had that experience on one night um, and you've left because you were uncomfortable or the guy was misbehaving or whatever, that you would go back the, the next night. Um, but, again, I, I pass no judgment on what happened there other than the fact that he's 95, and I understand that that doesn't, that doesn't excuse misbehavior, but it's sort of it, it, even the filing of the lawsuit is sort of this unfortunate period endpoint to what's been just an absolutely sort of amazing career by a guy who, again, taught a lot of us or gave us the motivation to teach us how to read. And, um, you know, it's kind of presided over the growth of these characters that now have moved beyond comic books and now are are the, this huge you know, multi-billion dollar enterprise that's led to, you know, theme parks and, you know, led to mainstream movies and all those different types of things. But Stanley at the age of 95 in the news and not in a good way. All right, when we come back, what is in a name? Is it political correctness run amok or do people have a point? I'll tell you all about it. Stick around. 240 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 244, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so glad to have you with us. Let's see, uh, the Bucks are back in the playoffs, and the road to the finals goes through WTMJ. Here each and every playoff game live, including tonight, with the flagship home of the Bucks. For the full broadcast schedule, simply text the word Bucks to the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 414-799-1620. All right. We are going to talk about, and we discussed this maybe a couple weeks ago, but now it's sort of come to a head. It is the term gypsy. Um, I think for most people, when you hear the term gypsy, it sort of refers to kind of a free-spirited, traveling sort of life, lifestyle. They're living the life of a gypsy, moving around like that. Um, this This term has become... Well, one of the controversial terms, because in some people's minds, it's viewed as a pejorative, a, a bad thing. Um, the, the term gypsy originally referred to Roma people who migrated from India centuries ago, sort of, and, and kind of wandered. 
Now, when I when I think of the term gypsy, that's what I think of. I, I think of of wandering. It is on Broadway. Gru, have you ever been to Broadway? Ever seen a musical on Broadway? You've seen a musical on Broadway in, in Chicago. Yeah. Well, okay. It's it, it's a it's a term which is used in the theater. The term gypsy and and has been used for the last I don't know seventy plus years. And and what it refers to is you have let, let's take Broadway shows. You have you'll have the stars, and then you'll have a chorus. You know, singers, dancers who um, you know move from show to show. You perform in one show. All right, that show closes. You move to another show. You you move from show to show, and the term that's used to describe that is 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 gypsy. And again, it's been. It goes back to, uh, actually, that they think it goes back to like the, the 1950s. It's just the way that the dancers and stuff refer to themselves. They don't have a permanent spot because shows open, shows close. There has also, for decades and decades, again, I think this goes back to the 60s, been this ceremony that they do before the opening of a Broadway show, and it's called the, the Gypsy Robe. Ceremony. Um, what happens is that for, well, here's the way it works. It dates back to 1950. On opening night for every musical that has a chorus, so you get the singers and dancers, there's a robe that is given to the person with the most Broadway chorus credits. The recipient puts on the robe, circles the stage three times to allow the rest of the cast to touch the robe, and then visits each dressing room as a sort of good luck blessing before the curtain goes up. It's called the gypsy robe. Gypsy referring to the people in the chorus who, you know, are going to be doing this show, then they're going to be doing another one. Each show that gets the robe adds a memento to the robe signed by cast members, and then the robe is passed to the next show that opens. When the robes get too big, they are retired, and some are in the collections of the Smithsonian and the museum in the city of New York. All right, so there. Th- this is the ceremony. It is the gypsy robe ceremony, and it is designed to celebrate the the gypsies who perform on Broadway, moving from show to show. Uh, this ceremony is now going to be retired. The union that represents the stage performers announced this week that it's going to cease using the title Gypsy Robe. Um, they have decided that we do not want to be uh, offensive and that the term Gypsy, because some people find this to be an ethnic slur, even though that's not the context that this is used, because some people might find this term to be an ethnic slur. Actors' Equity says we're not going to do this anymore. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, there are terms that were used at, at one point in, in history um, that as time has developed, They've become offensive by modern standards, and they have needed to be changed, or that they've just and and there's there's a number of them that you can you can think of. There are some terms that were always intended as, as slurs and um, have just become more and more unacceptable. But this is the term gypsy. 
which again, in the context that this is used, is not being used in a negative fashion to describe a, a particular person who might have migrated from India centuries ago. It is rather being used in the context of here we've got somebody who is, is a wanderer. They wander from place to place. They wander from show to show. All right. Is this an inherently offensive term? Do we have to eliminate this from our vocabulary? Or is this another example of, wait for it, political correctness run amok? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand, I, I guess, how you could use that term. You could use the reference gypsy and you could mean it in an unfair, unflattering, nasty sort of way. And I understand how, in certain contexts, I guess it could be an ethnic slur. On the other hand, hasn't that word, hasn't that term, hasn't the meaning transcended whatever the particular meaning might have been maybe a couple hundred years ago? So when you hear somebody say, oh, that, he's, living, he's living a gypsy lifestyle, does that automatically refer to an ethnic slur? I think not. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this now, I mean, we've got the N-word, appropriately so. Um, is this now, Have we? do we have the G-word? Do we need to get rid of this word from our vocabulary um, in order to make sure that somebody somewhere is not offended? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I look at stories like this, and again, it's another one that just kind of makes my head hurt. I understand that you can use the word in a way to be um, ethnically offensive. I, I don't think that that's the common sort of usage of that nowadays, but I understand that it, it could be out there. But that's not the way most people, I think, nowadays use the term. And are we dumbing down things when we say, Okay, we're going to, because somebody somewhere might be offended by a particular term, now nobody is going to be able to use that term, even though it's a term that's been used in a non-offensive, actually maybe even a flattering, celebratory context over the course of the last, I don't know, 60, 70 years. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Bill and Racine. Bill, you're first. Hello. Hi. Hi, Bill. Yeah, I just like to mention if we're going to use that word in a negative context because it's not politically correct, and we might as well get rid of words like Dane, Swede, Norwegian, and things like that. Well, I mean, I, I guess I, I mean right. I mean, th- thanks, thanks for call. I mean, I guess. See, I mean, that's the thing. The, the question is, where do you draw the line? And I'm even willing to concede that you know, in a certain context. Maybe it could be offensive, but that's not how real people use that term. And in the context of the, these these dancers that move from show to show, they, they call themselves gypsies. They applaud the fact that is their lifestyle. It, it means wanderers. It doesn't mean anything negative at all. They call themselves that. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Real well, thanks. I think, yeah, I think you're absolutely correct. It's not, I mean, exactly. It's not a a specific group per se. It's more of a descriptive. Right, to the lifestyle. Absolutely. Right. right. Like a hippie. Okay, outlaw hippies. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, or 
on and on and on. I mean, where does it end? Right, it, right. It, it is the generic term referring to wanderers as opposed to any particular ethnic type. Could I guess I mean, it be? Yeah. Who comes up with? I mean, does, I mean, is there that much time available to think <laughs> up these things to be offended about? Yes, I guess. Yes. No, thanks. I mean, and this, Mark. Thanks. Just so you know, this is this is an issue that's not going away. There is a small group of aggrieved people who apparently, you know, trace their backgrounds back to the original people who who came in from you know India to Europe, and it, it, they've made it their quest to try to eliminate this term from societal usage because they find it to be offensive, despite the fact that I. I See, I guess most people who use this term, my guess is that they don't even, they're not even aware of the history of the term. They are referring to it as, as wanderers. And now I, I guess the pressure is being brought. Again, it's another situation, political correctness, at least in my opinion, run amok. We'll be back to find out what they've got coming up on Wisconsin's Afternoon News in just a moment. It's 254.